Hey, one thing I wanted to uh, to let you guys know, we have uh, we have something, um, and we're trying because we got so many new visitors. By the way, my name is Casey. I think I might have met everybody new. I may not have, though. Now that I'm looking around, I see some people. I don't think I've met you. Um, but do, if you would, please, if you would put on your Connect card, um, uh, you know, just introduce yourself, talk about, you know, a way maybe we can give you a shout, maybe an email, something like that, where we can we can truly connect with you. We have a lot of new people coming into the church all the time, and I would, it's just, just remarkable, and probably, you know, half a dozen or so of you have never been here this morning, and so welcome, guys, as, as, I, as we see each other this morning, and uh, man, it's just great. I'm just one of the pastors here, one of the, one of, want to be able to meet with you and talk with you and, and be able to get to know you guys. One way we have uh, to, uh, as a way to get to know one another is on Monday nights and Tuesday nights, at 7 o'clock, we have something called Connect, or a, a City Groups, where we want to connect with you. And, and really what we're doing was we're going through our, the values that we have as a church. And we just spend three weeks on each value. Um, we have Eric and Megan Hanley that are uh, talking right now about family. And they're going to be wrapping that up this week. And then we have some ladies from, the, from their disciple group that's going to be talking about generosity value and what it means to live a life of generosity the way God wants to. But I'll tell you this. Uh, one of the things we do is we do a, a, like a, an icebreaker. Like, and I think the other day we said, what's your favorite movie? And we talk about crazy stuff like, what's your favorite toilet paper? I, I can't tell you. Like how many people like get to know friends, get to have friends. Hey, you're that cotton ale guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you're the two-ply one, right? He goes, I don't care, whatever my wife is. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like you get connections. Well, the other night we were talking about, um, last week we were talking about our favorite movies. And actually, I think we weren't, but somehow he got changed two movies, and I can't remember how that happened. And it came out that I had never seen Goonies or The Princess Bride, and so somehow the Goonies, and I've seen Gremlins, but I've never seen Goonies or The Princess Bride, and they thought I was the weirdest guy, and they all prayed for me and laid hands on me. And uh, somebody got me Goonies and The Princess Bride as a result, and, and I don't know who that, who, who, who is, the, who gave this to me? Oh, thank you, Share Bear, appreciate that, appreciate that. Rock and roll, you have... You have now uh, satisfied my soul as far as movies go. So appreciate that. Hey, that's what happens at the, the city group. And we get to learn some things too as well. So, man, check that stuff out. It's really kind of a neat way for us to get to know each other. We are a church that is all about, about man, man, discipling, like, like truly teaching people how to obey. One of the ways we do that is we connect people to, and, and see where God kind of connects people's hearts to see where they, where they want to, disciple you know be be in discipling relationship with one another whether whether or not we want to uh if people want to give permission for say me for example or someone else in the church for example to pour into their life and we'll talk about that here in just a second if you don't know <coughs> i've been struggling with uh, allergies for the last couple of weeks and it seems like every time i walk into um into church I'm, I'm pretty cool until i start thinking about preaching and all of a sudden it will know if it's in my mind or whatever but if you notice, I have to go back and cough a bunch and stuff. So I switch from coffee to hot tea. So if I, uh, if I start coughing in the middle of any of this, just ignore me. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. It's Jesus. And uh, I'll get back to what, I, uh, what, I'll, what I'll be talking about. But we have been talking about and we've been in the story for quite some time. And the story is an abridged version of the Bible. It doesn't replace the Bible. We as a church believe the Bible to be the inerrant, inspired word of God. And I need an amen on that one. That's who we are, man. And if, it's, if you're like, man, I don't like the Bible very much, probably ain't going to be the church for you. There are lots of churches that don't go by the Bible, to be 
quite frank with you. You'd think they would, but they don't. We believe the Bible to be the inspired and errant word of God. We do church based on the Bible. We live our lives based on the Bible. We do everything to the best of our ability according to the truth of Scripture. And so this idea of, of, of going through the story together was foreign to some because they're like, oh, you're not going by the Bible. No, actually what we're wanting to do is point people to a better understanding of the Bible so that when they open it on their own, and when they start reading it on their own, they'll have a little bit of a better understanding of, okay, I remember talking about that. I remember the highlight of this. And now I see where it all kind of connects. So it helps people understand it a little bit more. See, two weeks ago, we looked at, you know, we had the Easter service, the Resurrection Sunday service. And we, you know, again, great, good to see everybody again this morning. I know there have been several of us that as a result of that service have come back. But we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that we could have a godly swagger, a confidence that Jesus truly did rise from the dead. Last week we looked at the new church and how that started, a post-resurrection church that when Jesus came, all of a sudden this new church, the New Testament church came in. And how, how the church dealt with practical duties. And when they did talk, uh, deal with the practical duties and assign things that many people think are unspiritual, like, like, like handing out food, right? The word of God spread because it could because people had different duties. We went over the count of the stoning of Stephen and how a young man named Saul but, like, like gave his nodding approval to the death of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. He was an authority and he was, the, he was a, the, a real strong Hebrew leader, a Pharisee that, that, that allowed this stuff to happen. In fact, he went from door to door. If we read in the book of Acts, he went from place to place and door to door trying to throw Christians in prison. He was a murderer. Of Christians, You guys remember a few weeks back where I talked about the fact that I used to persecute Christians. I used to make fun of Christians. I used to, used to until one guy, like, 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 impacted me greatly. He had no, he was just completely, had complete confidence in God. I was like, well, I've never met anybody like that. Well, this is Paul who had great confidence in his religion. He had great confidence in his Hebrew heritage. And he went from place to place to place. And so we're going to go over the life of this today, like chapter 29, covers a whole bunch in the book of Acts. And we're going to go over the life of Saul, who's also called Paul, as he was referred to after Acts 13, 9. But I want to set the scene a little bit, just kind of, kind of where Paul steps into and why this is such an impactful thing for us still 2,000 years later. See, Jesus comes in, essentially, and you have <coughs> thousands of years, basically, hundreds of years of, of this... this um, uh, religious rule, the old, where you know, God gives the Old Testament law and that kind of thing. He gives some leadership to some people. And over the few years, you have things like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. In addition to the commands of Jesus, I mean, up to the commands of God, we believe God and Jesus are the same. So when I, you know, if that confuses anybody. But in addition to the commands of God, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, Gave, had about 10,000 rules and regulations in addition to those commands. And so when Jesus steps into the scene, he basically calls them publicly and privately all kinds of names. And he, and he, and he comes and tells a lot of prominent religious folks they are no longer needed. And you can start filling out your bulletins if you want. And he did this publicly and privately. And he did it on the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, hey, do, uh, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. And he started just calling them all kinds of names. I mean, he's like, no wonder they wanted to kill this guy, right? 
He even dined with the religious people. And, and there's this ceremonial hand washing where, where they, you know, the, the people, care, the religious folks said, if you do this, it's a holy thing. Well, Jesus comes in and he starts grabbing food and he, well, that, you know, like, well, they're like, hey, this guy didn't even wash his hands, right? And he just, he just said, you guys have no idea. It's, it's a matter of the heart. You guys are trying to clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup are, de- you know, just you're dead. And he obviously turned over tables in the temple and all this kind of stuff. So this is a radical Jesus, a radical, rebellious, perfect, sinless man, God, that came to earth and, and made his dwelling among us. And so in that scenario, Paul is stepping onto the scene. And Paul is stepping into the scene, and he gets this um, revelation, crazy revelation from the Lord. <clears throat> and he's on the road to Damascus, right? And he gets, and he, and he sees the Lord, and, the, and, and Christ says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? And he says this to Saul, and you think, well, he's, he's not persecuting Jesus, he's persecuting Jesus' followers, but if we're persecuting the church, we're persecuting Jesus, according to, to Jesus. And so Paul goes from place to place to place to place, and, he, and, and man, he just does all kinds of uh, just amazing stuff. See, here's the thing. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm really sorry about that. But ultimately, we, we are, and, and when Paul goes to different places, man, he is, he is helping people establish churches. He's helping people to, to uh, understand what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the deal. It, in, that, in that particular time, in 2,000 years ago, the first century Roman Empire, there was a lot of things that they were having to overcome. There's a lot of things that uh, the, uh, like different gods that they were worshiping, different traditions and things like that. Both the Jews and the Gentiles were still like, like caught in some of the old traditional things that Paul was having to address. Now, they, we today may not have to deal with folks like the worshipers of Poseidon and Zeus or you know, some of those things, but we may have to struggle with things like denominational habits. Amen? Some of you guys are like, yeah, yeah, really. Like the way I grew up, Everybody said the way I grew up was the, the things that we did, the, the, the traditions that we had, those were holy and we did those things, right? And sometimes those can become idols. Things like the way we do church. Man, I can't tell you how many times, and I said this a little bit last week, how many times we've had to help people unlearn what church they think church is, help people learn what church is according to the scriptures. Modern day discipleship is one of the things that we have to struggle with. I was talking to a guy just this morning about a disciple, what they call discipleship at another church. And it really is not necessarily teaching people to obey. It's teaching people the Bible, which is different, right? Because you could teach people the Bible and never teach people to obey. Have you ever figured that out? Yeah, how many people know people that know the Bible and know that they don't obey Jesus? Lots of people, right? Those are, those are where the hypocrites come in. It's like, oh, you spout all that stuff off, but you really don't do what it says. Modern day mission work is one of the things that we deal with. Think that somehow going and doing something, I got to go do something, I got to do something, right? Without understanding why we do something is something we deal with. In short, what we deal with is legalism. Now, legalism is something that, that we, that can be defined in a whole bunch of different ways. And legalism can be things that are false according to the scriptures like they're not really in the scriptures but we do them because of tradition and we think that they're holy and if people don't do them they're they're wrong and they're going to hell or whatever those that's one way of looking at legalism uh, applying extra rules and regulations that are not in the bible 
Another thing about legalism is that we apply just the rules, and it's just a matter of do's and don'ts in the, in the scriptures, right? Like, for example, I say, I'm, I'm going I'm to focus on the Ten Commandments. We get freaked out when somebody comes in and says, they need to take the Ten Commandments down, don't we? Like, we all go, I'm in that, and I'm in that boat. We go, hey, why, why, why are they taking the Ten Commandments down at the courthouse? That's ridiculous, right? I mean, that's a fulcrum for all of our laws that were established. That's who we are as a, as a country, right? That's what we, what we do. But, let, but, but let's be honest. How many of us actually obey the Ten Commandments? How many of us actually know the Ten Commandments? Right? We're all freaked out. They're taking, I can't believe they're taking that stuff out. That's ridiculous. What's this world coming to? Hey, what's the Third Commandment? Uh, 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 something about God, I think. <coughs> it was what God said to Moses, man. I mean, you know. See, familiarity with tradition is often confused with closeness to God. Familiarity with tradition is often confused with closeness to God. One other way of legalism, one other thing, the Holy Spirit might talk to you individually about a particular thing. Hey, I don't want you watching this TV show right now, or whatever it is. I don't want you uh, consuming this particular beverage, whatever that is. I don't want you uh, going to a particular rated movie, whatever that is. Like for us as a family, we've decided, actually Judy decided, and I'm like, okay, well, fine. Um, that we're not going to watch rated R movies. I'm like, all right, cool, that's, that's pretty sweet. I mean, we can deal with that. But if I was co- to come up and pound about rated R movies to you and say, you shouldn't go see that, that's much, you're going to go straight, that's legalism. You catch what I'm saying that? So when somebody is, is convicted in their hearts, and, and when somebody is convicted by the Holy Spirit individually, and all of a sudden we go around telling everybody else, if you don't do what I do, if you don't do what the Holy Spirit has told me to do, you're going to go straight to hell, right? That's legalism as well. One of the reasons many people fail in this area and fall in the church is because they do not read their Bibles. Amen? They do not read their Bibles. You are relying on me or another pastor or somebody else to tell you what it says. Man, I, and I, and the great philosopher and author and scholar and pastor and rapper Trip Lee said it like this. He said, I don't know what they told you, but if it don't match up with this holy word, then homie, they need to back up. Some they pretend like they get him, they twist and facts up. That's why we dig in the scriptures to know the master. Yeah, well, homie, we have to. If we want to get past the only thing we know being what we heard from the pastor. Don't rely on anybody teaching you here to do church, to look at those scriptures, to say, okay, I have an understanding because the pastor said this, man. Check me out on it. And I challenge people to do this all the time. If you hear me say something that is out of whack, now don't come to me going, man, I just feel like that's wrong. It doesn't matter what we feel. What does it say? But if you can point to me, say, hey, I think you're wrong in this. And if you look at the scriptures where, where, where God said this, some of you have done that for me. I don't say to me, but for me. I'd rather be embarrassed and have to correct myself later than have to face Christ at the end of my life and he go, what are you teaching that for? Amen? See, highlights of Paul's journey that we're going to talk about today. I promise you we're going to get into some of the scriptures. And I even had this great laser pointer, right? It does not work on the TVs. <laughs> but uh, I want to show you <laughs> even the best laid plan. I'm like, sure, I got this thing, man. Even this, uh, this is my cool little story, so I'll just point it at you guys. Um, <coughs> I'm blind. Um, but look at Paul's uh, missionary journeys, and he went on three of them. By the way, this whole idea of him being on the road to Damascus, man, is, is fascinating because when you look at what Christ 
did for him. He ultimately transformed his entire being. He became a new creation. Christ is the transformer, no doubt. But Paul went on several missionary positions. I'm sorry, I got out of whack. That's my fault. Paul went on several missionary uh, uh missionary trips and everything and you can find all three of these let's see if it does one nope of course not but if you look up in the uh, in, like in the upper area up here you can uh, like the top right hand that's the area called galatia it's a it's a region of the roman empire it's kind of modern day turkey right now um and by the way the roman empire is is it's pretty fascinating the roman empire goes from africa to the middle east to europe i mean it's just all over and so when Paul traveled to a lot of these places, not necessarily to Africa, but to the, to the other places, man, you can actually track this stuff in the, in the Bible yourself. Uh, you can go to Acts 13 for his first missionary journey, Acts 15 through 18 for his second one, Acts 18 to, through 21 for his third one. And, and his fourth one is actually he was a prisoner, and they took him finally to Rome where he was, was beheaded. See, Acts 27 through 28 talks about that. So you can actually... Look in the book of Acts, and some of this is highlighted in the story. You can look in the book of Acts, and you can actually find out where he went and what he did. In this area that he's, he's talking, there's, a, there's a, one of the letters he wrote is the book of Galatians, and a lot of you understand Galatians. One of my favorite, favorite books of what Paul wrote. And the things that they were dealing with specifically that he was trying to address in the book of Galatians. By the way, he wrote uh, letters to the Ephesians. He wrote re- letters to who Thessalonians. He wrote letters to... The Corinthians, he wrote letters to all kinds of the different churches that are in this Middle Eastern region. So you can kind of track where he, where he went and what he did. But the things that he wrote show us still today how to do church. That's why I'm encouraging folks so that when we talk about how to do church, and it seems rad, a rad, like a radical departure from how we do church as a culture, then you can look in the scripture and you go, oh, good, that's where these maniacs get it from. I get it. I get it. So what I want to do is I want to talk specifically about uh, a couple of chapters in Galatians. I don't always do this, but sometimes I just feel the need to just preach a couple of chapters. <coughs> and this, this whole idea of, of what Paul wrote in Galatians, and it's specifically chapters 5 and 6, are some of the most gripping things when it comes to the church and what it means to be a part of it, what it means to do church God's way. Man, and I love this because... Ultimately, what he's addressing in the Galatian church is you have, you have Jews and Gentiles that are now intermingling. This is a big no-no for thousands of years, right? Now they're intermingling. And the Jews are saying, hey, you need to be circumcised. You need to be circumcised. Everybody know what circumcision is, right? I don't have to explain it. I got a couple pictures for you right here. Sheriff, you got this? She's like, bazinga. Um, but, but the whole idea of, of, of this circumcision was something that God specifically told the Jews to do. Now they were imposing that onto the Gentiles. It was kind of a form of, of legalism. And listen to what he says starting in, verse, or in chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by, the yoke, by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul... People always say, who wrote Galatians? It's right there. Tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. In other words, if you start doing stuff, if you start saying, this is what makes me holy, I've got to go do something, right? 
How many of us have, have struggled with that? Like, I got, I, got, I got to do something, right? I got, I mean, God's got to do, but man, and it is for freedom. Like, as the Holy Spirit leads, we do. But for us to, in our natural selves, so I got to go do something because, man, I'm telling you, guys, we rest in the Lord. It is for freedom that he has set us free. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been what? Alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, there, there is this grace and then there is this truth that we fall by. And some people are so focused on grace, they're like, I can do whatever I want. He's going to address that here in a second. He's telling us how to do church. I love this. And some people are like, oh, all truth, all truth. You're going to go straight to hell if you don't do it, you know. That's what he says. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any what? Value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Listen to what he says. And he's not playing about this. You were running a good race. You were doing it right, church. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast through the, works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one, man, he starts throwing down right here. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In other words, if I'm going around talking about people got to do this, 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 why am I still being persecuted? Because he, what he's doing is he's trying to tell people this is how we do church, and it's totally radical, totally different than what, he's been, what people have been accustomed to, and they're coming after him. Amen? Lost my place. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And this next verse, I think, may very well be my life verse. As for, <laughs> this is so funny. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's hysterical. Has anybody ever read that and go, wait a minute, you mean, Paul's asking, tell me, hold on. You, he's saying, uh, if, if you cut a little bit off, it's holy, so what's stopping you from cutting everything off, right? That's funny, man. Amen? Praise God. We love the word. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? Free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. That's what he's talking about. There's extra, too much grace and too much truth. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And he's telling us how to do this. And I love this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. And he's putting all this stuff in there together. Fits of rage. Yeah, but what if people cut me off and 
traffic. Oh, f- uh, uh, selfish ambition? I thought ambition was, like, I want to make something of myself, right? We talked about that last week. I mean, people come into the church go, I want, I want, I want to use my stuff, I want to do my stuff, right? Dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's putting all that stuff in there together. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say but. On the other hand, the fruit, not the fruits, this is a super fruit of some kind. The fruit of the Spirit is love, primarily, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's not something we try to manufacture. Okay, I got to be more loving. I got to be more patient. I got to be more kind. I got to be more gooder, right? It's a matter of the Holy Spirit doing that in us. That is the fruit that automatically comes out when we're filled with that Spirit. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I'm going to ask the band to come up because I want, as I read Galatians 6, man, I want you guys to really concentrate on what he's telling us to do as a church because this makes my job a whole heck of a lot easier. It really does. It makes the leaders in the church a whole lot, uh, our, our jobs a whole lot easier when we, you know, we have an understanding of why we do what we do. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, this is not designed, guys, to take someone's freedom away, but to help someone who is already trapped to be free. Does that make sense? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own loan. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Did you you catch what I'm saying on this before? This is why I ask people to help me. Like if you see something in the Bible that I got wrong, I want you to tell me. I want you to share with your instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Guys, are you thinking about giving up? Is there a time in your life when you're like, this is too hard? Like, the whole world doesn't understand what we're doing. The whole world doesn't, doesn't seem to under, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling so bad, man. It's like everybody's against me, but, but I'm reading the word, and I'm hearing what he says, and I'm trying to do it God's way. The whole world's against me, man. This is hard. Whoever tells you that the Christian life is easy is a liar. Amen? Now, there's some great joy, and there's some great fun, and there's some great fellowship, and a great peace, and a great joy that you cannot that understand that surpasses all understanding. No doubt about it. But whoever says that this is going to be an easy has never truly been 
a, a warrior for Christ, has never truly been somebody who says, I am a soldier and I'm going to storm the gates of hell. Never done it. It says, oh man, you want all your problems to go away? Follow Jesus. You want everything, life to just be great? Follow Jesus and everything like that. And I'm looking at the Bible going, man, everybody seemed to follow Jesus in the Bible. Man, their life sucked. Man, what am I doing, right? Sometimes when things are going really good, I go, okay, man, am I, am I in the will of God, right? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us good, do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Paul, look what I'm writing to you. I'm serious about this. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They're trying to make it easy. If I can just get this done, if I can just make somebody do this, man, people are going to love me. It's never about that. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. I love this. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. And I equate something like that. We don't battle with circumcision here in our first century culture. But I'll tell you this. We battle with somehow thinking that we make a disciple by dunking them in some water. Putting them in a class and let them learn and stuff. Somehow we've made them a disciple. And I don't think so, man. That's why people come and, and they, get, they get angry when we say, hey, what does it mean to actually obey? And they go, whoa, 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 I had to sign up for that. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer now, right? But, but to, to say that I'm not a disciple is offensive because just because I've not learned to obey, the whole idea of learning to obey is what it means to be a disciple. Christ didn't say, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and make sure they're on church on Sunday morning. Christ didn't say, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and make sure they learn the Bible and memorize some scripture. Christ said, baptize them, make them disciples, and teach them to obey. Man, it's hard to learn to obey. It's just like it was hard for the Galatian church to wrap their thinking around what it meant to be a follower of this radical new, and it's still radical, guys. People are still intimidated by Jesus, amen? Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Look what I did! May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, or tradition, or liturgy, or denomination, or any of that junk we get so focused on means anything what counts is the new creation wow peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the israel of god from now on let no one cause me trouble for i bear on my body the marks of jesus paul was beaten severely persecuted severely for going around and telling people this is how we do this this is how we do this it's different it's radically different it's not what you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters, and all God's people said, amen. Here's the deal I want to make with you. 
We're going to do communion this morning. And Christ said, when you drink this and you eat this, this is my blood, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me, is what he said. Paul says to the Corinthian church, I believe it was the Corinthian church, he said it, that do not do this in an unworthy manner. If you have something against a brother, somebody's got something against you, make it right so that you can participate in this. Otherwise, you will heap judgment on yourself. This is an important thing. And when we talk about communion, guys, this is one of the few things we consider, like, what we do is holy. I mean, everything, everything we, we do is, as, as far as even the small things is holy, but as far as the, the, the sacred stuff, two things we do, offering and, and communion, are the two, two sacred things we hold. They're very special things, according to the word. And we're not to take either one of them lightly. And so when we, here's what I'm going to do. As you guys are kind of starting to play a little bit, I'm going to give you guys your communion. Can I get it back to Will too, I guess? And I want us to be, guys, thinking about, as I'm serving this to the band, I want you to be thinking about, woo, not falling. I want you to be thinking about, really, where am I with Jesus? Not, not, not where am I with my, un, my knowledge of the Bible or my, my history of going to church or my upbringing. But where am I truly with Christ? Thank you, sir. The drummer always gets forgotten. Where am I truly with Christ? Man, am I, am I desiring more and more to walk with him or am I desiring for myself to walk with me? Am I looking at Christ as someone to be obeyed or am I looking at Christ as a great guy of history who said some great things and I identify with, with him but I don't identify as a follower? Or are you that? And as we take the next 30 seconds, as the band is playing this beautiful music they have been today, man, think about what it truly means to, to step into the obedience of Christ. Because it's not a, an easy walk. It's not a yay thing. Sometimes it's like a gut-wrenching, man, I've got to make some radical changes. And what may seem unradical to somebody else, man, may seem absolutely radical to you. But Christ, as, he is, as the Holy Spirit is leading you, man, think about where he's, some of the things, guys, you know where he has been leading you. And yet you have refused to step into it. That, that ends today, amen? That ends today. We don't have to be. Don't let yourself be again on the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom. That Christ has set us free. And as we take this communion, may we have that mindset that from this day, on, day forward, we live in that freedom. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for this 
opportunity to serve you and this opportunity to know you and this opportunity to, to love you more and more and more, that you have a desire for us, that we, you don't need us, you don't have to have us, and you have sent your, your instructions through your word about what it means and how we're supposed to do church. And God, it is in your son's amazing and incredible name that we remember through this communion today. Amen.